Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Welcome, welcome everyone to City Beautiful Church. Um, today is an exciting day. We're starting uh, our new series called Listening to the Voice of God. At the beginning of the year, uh, we unveiled the vision that the Lord had for us for 2019. We spent, you know, several months last year as a, as a, a leadership group, as our elders, kind of gathering together and praying through, Lord, what would you have for us in this next year? And what we came to was, uh, together with one heart and mind, drawing close to God. And that kind of being the guiding, uh, the guiding light for 2019, uh, being really about a year of intimacy. You know, as a church, we don't want to uh, lower our standards to say, well, if we can just learn how to be better people, that's pretty much what we're here to do. But to believe, no, we're actually here to engage with the real and the living God, the God that's revealed in Jesus. And that requires, first of all, a really high expectation that that's even possible, um, but then secondly, it, it requires of us this kind of courage, um, and even I would say some sense of self-worth to believe that each of us uh, are capable of encountering God. And so we spent most of the beginning of the year well, honing in on, well, what is God's heart like? How do we know how to trust in God's character? And we looked at that in a variety of ways, kind of what we see in Scripture, what we've experienced of God's true heart. Um, and now we're kind of moving into the next portion, which is now that we know what God is like, now that we know his heart, his intention, his desires, well, how do we learn to listen to him? What does God sound like when God speaks? And so today, uh, that's where I want us to begin. What does it mean that God speaks? What does that mean? You know, we're all coming in here with these different expectations uh, and perhaps different baggage on those words, and I really want to kind of set the trajectory for these next couple months there. So I'm going to pray, um, and we'll, ju we'll jump right into this. So Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for this sweet time of worship. And yeah, how freeing it is, Lord, to recognize uh, that in your presence, it's not about rightness. It's not about doing things accurately. Uh, but it's stepping into moments, spaces, relationships, honestly. And offering whatever we have and even whatever we don't have and, and laying it before you. Lord, I think about how often even, you know, in the, in the scriptures where it says, you know, I would provide sacrifice, but I don't think that's what you want. Or when you even respond and say, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You, you want our hearts. You don't want a good performance. And God, if any of us bring that in with us right now, would you uh, just name that and show us how to lay it down? Because that's the first thing that's going to keep us from you. And especially when we're, we're engaging with such a big, big idea uh, of you speaking and us learning to listen. Lord, we're all bringing in things for many of us. Maybe even those words speaking about you speaking gives us a certain set of anxieties because it's been laid out for us in a very specific way that's intimidating and scary. And uh, for many of us, perhaps it's, it's even been communicated to us that you don't speak. Um, but Lord, whether we realize it or not, we've all brought in these expectations with us and um, so, Lord, we just invite you to send your Holy Spirit to do business with us even now about those expectations. 
so that we can meet you uh, all over again. So may the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And so what does it mean that God speaks? Uh, we're going to begin with uh, three passages of Scripture, and I actually want us to read this together. This is, you know, uh, for, in the tradition that I grew up in, many of you perhaps also shared in similar traditions, uh, the reading of Scripture, the public reading of Scripture was a huge testimony to the faith, and we're kind of reading it over one another. And a lot of times, Scripture was read communally by the people together. It's not just the person up on stage with the microphone and you passively listen, but you're actually speaking it out. So we're going to read uh, these three three passages of scripture together. And there's something even really sweet in this, by the way. If you never grew up uh, reading scripture together or uh, doing liturgy, if you, you know, uh, like prepared prayers, um, you have to learn how to listen to the people around you in order to read it well, right? How many of you have been in, in one of those church services where there's something for everybody to read and, and like your like great aunt just ends up like three seconds ahead of everybody else, you know? Um, <laughs> There's a learned skill in community of us being able to listen to one another, and through that, we're bound together. So there's even this demonstration of a lot of what we're talking about this year in us being able to read Scripture together. So we're going to read three Scriptures, uh, beginning in Genesis 1, 1 through 3, and then John 1, 1 through 3, and then Hebrews 1, 1 through 3a. I didn't want to put in there Hebrews 3b, so we're not even going to go there, Okay. Uh, so let's stand, and we're going to read these scriptures together and listen to one another reading these passages of scripture. So first, Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, the next one is John 1, 1 through 3, and it's not a coincidence that John is using some of that same language from the beginning of Genesis because he's making a point that we'll get to in a moment here. So let's read John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And finally, we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 1, where the writer here, kind of immersed in that Hebrew worldview, is still borrowing some of that language from the Genesis story, but again, making this point about uh, the ultimate word of God. And it starts off a little differently, so don't get tripped up. Okay, ready? <laughs> Hebrews 1, 1 through 3a. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Amen. You can have a seat. So we see these three major books in the Holy Scriptures begin in very similar ways. It's saying, in the beginning, there was God, and somehow God speaks, and things begin to happen. 
And what we find in the New Testament in the writings of John and in the writing, the, the letter of Hebrews is that, that there's a name for that word of God that when God speaks, we call that Jesus Christ. And that is kind of the foundational truth upon which our faith, our Christian faith is built upon. That God is real, that God speaks, that God's word is so powerful it has its personality of its own. And we name that word of God, Jesus Christ. But as I said, we need to expand our understanding of what it means for God to speak. Because we've all brought in with us these different expectations of what that means. Perhaps you grew up in a church where God does not speak anymore. Perhaps you grew up in a church where God speaks, but he only speaks through the Bible and nothing else. Maybe you grew up in a in kind of a Pentecostal environment where, you know, God was speaking all the time. You know, the preacher's up there and he's sweating and he's got his towel out and then he goes, huh? <laughs> yes, Lord. You know, and you're like, wow, he just heard the voice of, you know. But a lot of times what happens for people in that kind of environment, there's, yes, God speaks, but it's so rarefied in who he speaks to and how he speaks that I could not possibly hear the voice of God, Right? You see, we all have these different expectations that we grew up with. Even for myself, growing up in an Anglican tradition, we were aware of the idea that God speaks, but it was oftentimes a very narrow idea. We would acknowledge maybe a spiritual gift like prophecy, but we'd have to wait until that one time a year when an Anglican prophet would come through and would, would, would speak to us in order to really do that. It was kind of this rarefied you know, position of the professionals. They were the ones who could really hear the voice of God and the rest of us had to trust our leaders to listen on our behalf. But as I grew up and I kind of moved through the Anglican church, entered into a charismatic environment, I began to engage with this idea that God speaks all the time and that God speaks to all of us. And I think like many of you, it was really hard for me to accept that. But the, the real struggle with that idea that God speaks to all of us was that it kind of questioned my own self-worth. Do I believe that I'm worthy of being spoken to? And I think that's going to be the challenge for many of you in this next series. It's not whether or not God speaks. It's, am I the kind of person that God would speak to? And I want you to be able to hold on to that as we move through this. So for me, the idea of God speaking moves from being a universal thing to a personal thing. And I think that's really where the power and the authority of, of talking about how God speaks moves. That for all of us, it moves from a universal acknowledgement that God speaks today and gradually making it more and more personal. And I think it's even important up front to say that when we talk about God speaking, we're talking about a metaphor. We're using metaphorical language to speak about something that is a little bit beyond what we can comprehend as human beings. We're trying to describe the otherness of God. So God may not speak to us like we speak to one another. It's, it's more than that. But if any of you took 11th grade English, you know that just because something's a metaphor doesn't mean that it's true or that it's not true. Sometimes it's more true than the things that we say are literally true. So the language of speaking about God speaking is metaphorical language that helps us to tap into a bigger, higher, deeper truth than we can understand in our own terms. 
And so what do we find in these three passages, kind of beginning in the story of Genesis and then rippling throughout the scriptures, finding its culmination in the writings of John and the writings of Hebrews? We find that God spoke the universe into existence and sustains it by its word. That should be, do you have that, Michelle? God spoke the universe into existence and sustains it by his word. This week in our kind of time together, Daniel and I discussing the content, I said, this is really interesting to me, and I don't know if it's helpful at all. And I talked him through it. He said, no, 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 this is worth saying. So we're going we're gonna to get a little meta- metaphysical here, okay? We're going to break down this idea that we find in Genesis, John, and Hebrews, that God spoke the universe into existence, and then that God sustains it by its word. In order, in order for any of us to speak, there's a thing behind the speaking. Anyway, for most of us, not all of us. Sometimes some of us speak without thinking. But what we find in the person of God is that God speaks, which says that God has a mind, that God thinks, that God, and within the thoughts of God, there is this creative potential. Within the mind of God, there is this motivation, there is this desire and when Genesis was being written down, all of the competing narratives in the, in the Middle East, all of the other stories were that all the gods, and there are many of them, they're inherently, they're like us, they're just more powerful, and they're incredibly violent, and then the earth kind of is a result of the violence of the gods warring against one another. One of my favorite stories from the Mesopotamian uh, religions was that there's two gods, and they're, they're duking it out, and they're fighting, and one god takes the other god and smashes him over his knee and rips the earth out of his guts, and that's why you exist. So that's cool. But it says a lot about who you are, right? If that's, the, if that's your creation story, then life is inherently destructive. Life is inherently violent. And so what does that speak about our place in this world if it's created out of that kind of myth? But in the Jewish narrative, they say, no, the world was not created out of discord and strife and this kind of cosmic battle between these gods, but rather creation springs forth out of a God who is creative, a God who is loving, and out of his overabundance of love. And then what we say later on in Christianity, that this Trinitarian God who is this communion of love, that he creates out of that and out of abundance, he, he begins to speak creation into existence, this creative potential. And so we find that the mind of God speaks the word of God. And what the writers of the New Testament began to do with John and Paul and elsewhere is they used this idea that they found in, in Hebrew religion that God speaks and things are realized. And they saw these parallels in Greek philosophy. There was this idea in Greek philosophy called the logos, which literally means word. But in Greek philosophy, they're saying there's, there's this word, it's kind of this animating force that kind of suspends all of creation, holds all of it together. This logos is kind of like the glue that holds holds the whole universe together. And Paul and these other writers were reading these ideas in Greek philosophy and then they're looking at what they're finding in Hebrew theology and they're saying, ah, these two things are actually quite similar to one another. And so the word of God or the logos of God is almost like this intermediary between possibility and reality. Now that sounds very wonky. But think about it, when you speak, your words become this bridge between the creative potential within your mind and what actually exists. That when you speak, either to yourself, to others, the universe changes. 
it shifts. Something else happens. That where there was potential, because you have spoken, now there's a reality. Now something else has shifted. This is why we find in Proverbs, for example, that the, the tongue has the power of life and death. That the way in which we speak to one another, the way in which we speak to ourselves, takes these unformed ideas deep within our minds and our hearts and actually makes them reality in the lives of other people and within ourselves. And so the word, the logos, kind of exists as this bridge between possibility and reality. But not only that, that the word holds it all together. It animates it. It gives it all context. And then at the end, we find existence itself, that God speaks and says, let there be light, and there was light. And we find this pattern in the Genesis poem that God speaks and that thing comes to exist and God names it good. And what is goodness other than the measure of the presence of God, the evidence of God in the things that he creates? And God continues to speak things into existence until finally he creates humanity. He creates you and I and he says, oh, it's very good because it carries within it. Humanity carries within itself so much of the potential of who God really is. And so all of existence becomes these realized possibilities from the mind of God, that all of existence is the manifestation of the heart of God. And not only that, but all of existence carries within it more creative potential. That God did not create the earth in Genesis 1 and 2 and just kind of washed his hands of it and said, okay, I'm done. But he actually spoke into all of existence the potential to create more. And then through that, the more that creation creates, the more the existence of God is demonstrated. And so all of created existence is an echo of the voice of God. And unfortunately, what happens too often is that we only let God speak in religious arenas. We only allow God to speak to us in religious terms. That God only speaks within the confines of the church. Maybe God only speaks in this building. God only speaks through ordained ministers. God only speaks to us through the Bible. Or perhaps even that God only speaks to us through Christendom, which I would also say is Christian culture. God only speaks to us through Z Z88.3. And we make this mistake that we, we, we actually mistake Christianity for God. We mistake Christianity for the voice of God and that God only speaks to Christians on Christian terms. And I think that's tragically unhelpful. Because what it does is it limits the possibility of where God speaks. It, says not only, it does not say that all of created existence is an echo of the voice of God. It only says Christianity, but more specifically, Jesus incorporated is the echo of the voice of God. And we shut down our ability to hear him. But I think rather what the Christian faith is, is a language or a way of seeing how God speaks out and beyond the walls of Christianity itself. That if God is speaking through everything, that you and I are the ones that have been granted the language to help all of humanity, to help all of creation realize just how big it is when God speaks. A couple weeks ago, uh, I was sitting here with one of our elders, Greg, and and Greg is absolutely amazing. Many of you know him from uh, speaking up here. And uh, Greg is in the business of, uh, I don't know, he puts your logo on basically everything, right? Okay. Huh? 
promotional items. Thank you, that's what he does. So you want to put your name on a pen or a tote bag or, you know, you, hats or whatever. Greg's your guy. And I, I love his job. I think it's fascinating. They're having this expo at the end of the month, and I want to go and just see all the weird things that people want to put their names on. <laughs> and he just has these fascinating, crazy stories about the things that people want to do. And he flies to China all the time to make sure that the thread that Olive Garden wants for their new hats is actually the same green as they saw on the computer. And he has to go to China to find that out. Amazing. But we're sitting here and we're talking and he says, you know, Ryan, this is something that I absolutely love realizing. Every single thing that you see and feel in this room has been bought or sold. Everything in here. Everything in here passed through the hands of someone who sells things. And it was this big... You know, he lives in that world. He swims in that world. And I don't often do that. I just kind of take it for granted, but going like, oh my goodness, yes. Like everything in here is the result of hundreds of people buying and selling things. And I don't always realize that. And I think as I was kind of meditating on this idea that all of created existence is an echo of God, I realized that often I treat the voice of God speaking in that same way. I don't always realize that everything around me is God speaking all the time. Because I always, don't always swim in those waters. That I am, am just as guilty as you are of narrowing the voice of God to only being about the Bible or Christians or our culture or just in church or whatever it might be. And I shut down all the possibility of how God wants to speak. And there's this amazing story in Acts 17 when Paul is going about speaking about the, the kingdom of God and the reality of God, and he's in the Greek world, and they don't have all of the Hebrew background that he does. And, you know, if he was to start speaking about Moses and David and all of these different characters from his own heritage, they wouldn't really know who he's talking about. So Paul knows he needs to take a different tact in order to share with them the reality of who God is. And so he's kind of standing in this public arena, and they have all these different monuments to all these different gods, and they've got one that says, to the unknown God, just in case they missed somebody, you know, which is very considerate of the Greeks. And so Paul sees this, and he goes, okay, I can actually use this. And he says, okay, so you've got this statue to the unknown God, and I'm actually here to tell you who that God is and what that God is actually like. And so he begins this amazing sermon um, that's speaking to the Greeks in their own terms to show them God is already speaking to them without them even realizing it. And kind of towards the end of his sermon, he says this, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And those last two lines, for in him we live and move and have our being, that was written uh, by a, a Cretan philosopher whose name was Epimenides. And that last line, we are his offspring, was a Stoic philosopher named Aratus. And so these were already phrases that were swimming around in the Greek worldview that Paul isn't canceling and saying, no, 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 that's all garbage. It's all about what we're doing in Christianity, so like, tune into this radio station and read these books if you want to hear God speak. He says, no, 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 this is true. I'm just here to tell you, you don't know how true it really is. There's this uh, wonderful uh, joke uh, that says, you know, two fish are kind of swimming along, and one older fish comes along and says, hey, boys, how's the water? And he swims on, and they go, what the hell was water? <laughs> and that's how it is for us so often when it comes to listening to the voice of God. Like, we're actually so deeply immersed in it we don't even realize it until someone names it. And we're like, oh my goodness. 
Yes, the reality of God is all around me. The echoes of the voice of God are everywhere, but I wasn't quite aware of it. And so in this series, our kind of first movement in the series is going to be dealing with that. What are the main ways in which God speaks to us? Yet, that yes, God speaks to us through the Holy Scriptures, and that's a powerful way for us to hear His voice, but we have to learn how to read the Scriptures appropriately. God speaks to us through community, and there's almost kind of two ways. God speaks to us through our local community. He speaks to us through one another, but God also speaks to us through the people of God, that throughout history, what we might call the great tradition Thousands of years of of men and women have come before us who have asked the same questions that you and I are wrestling with, that have come to amazing conclusions. And I think you and I, we stand on the precipice of history where the, the, the words of those who have gone before us have never been more accessible than they are now. And we have this opportunity to tap into the Christian community to hear their wrestling with this idea of the voice of God. God speaks to us from the Holy Spirit within us. Do you realize that God invested you, he inspired you with his presence? And so your personal experience is valuable. And that's really hard for many of you, to trust your personal experiences with God. Because now you're really starting to tap into your value and your worth. And then God speaks to us through nature, God speaks to us through the created world. How many of you have been watching Our Planet? I've been harping on about this like for two weeks now. Oh my goodness. Go and watch that show and just allow yourself to be wrecked by it. David Attenborough is a prophet and I don't even know if he knows it. But God speaks to us through the natural world and kind of almost an extension of that is that God speaks to us through reason and logic, that God has built these structures into creation itself that reflect back something of his character and how we are to live in the world around us. And so we're going to look at all of these different ways that God speaks. And as I said before, the way in which God speaks should move from that universal truth and gradually become more and more personal. And that's where it begins to get tricky for us to learn how do we discern well when God is speaking, not just in general terms, but when God is speaking to us. And so right at the beginning, I want to offer you kind of two maxims that have been so helpful for me in learning how to hear the voice of God. And the first is this. I think we would all agree with the first half very quickly. If it's from God, it's true, right? And we believe this through Scripture. We believe this through the great tradition of the church. We believe this in personal experience, that if something comes from God, it's true, because there is no falsehood in him, right? But I think we can actually invert that as well, that if something is true, it's from God. And what that does for me is it actually alleviates a lot of the pressure. Because if it's only that first half, if it's from God, it's true. It's like, okay, now I've got to get in this place where I've got to really hone in on who God is and listen to him and whatever he's going to give me is true, but there's a lot of pressure there. And you kind of open it up and go, okay, if something's true, then that's from God and that's him speaking. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that God loves them. And just in case they didn't hear it, turn the other way and tell that person. So you're now all officially prophets, okay? You, you're in. 
You know, because if it's true, to speak out what is true is to point back to God. If truth is eternal, then we can understand that God is actually always speaking. And not only that, but all things that God says is a version of who God is. And again, in the writings of John, God is love. This is the dramatic conclusion of the scriptures. We didn't always believe that. But because of the revelation that we have in Jesus, we recognize that God is love. And so everything that God speaks is love. There's not like 90% of what God speaks is love and then 10% of it is hate. Like everything that God speaks is love. But what's happening in the moment is we're actually tuning into a specific expression of God's love that helps us to ground ourselves deeper in the reality based on what we need to hear today. I'm going to try this experiment because I think this is uh, really helpful. That, you know, radio, the way that radio works is there's radio waves, and radio waves are always radio waves. And what we do with different channels on the radio is you're actually tuning into a specific frequency of the same wave to hear something different. So maybe we'll get Taylor Swift's new single on here if we're really lucky. Okay. I don't know this. And so there's that. Hold on. There it is. Oh, that's nice. How many of you are waiting for Chase to come? Hmm? How many of you know the battle's won? This is a, we should play that. Is it, was it country music? Or Christian radio. Have you ever played that game? It's the best. Okay, let's keep going. Maybe some Kenny G. I don't know. Geico commercial. Nice. It's true. It's very true. This is a little talk radio. Let's go. To, there we go. Christian music or country music? What? Is this is this T Swift? I don't know. I just know that she. Oh. Sometimes it takes a lot of faith. Escuche. Means listen in Spanish. We'll do one more. Qué bonita es, no? So, anyway. The way radio works is it's all one wave. We're just tuning into these different frequencies. And God is always speaking love. But depending on where we're at in the moment, as it moves from that universal truth of love down to the personal, there's a specific expression of God is love that we're tuning into in the moment. And so the first movement of this series is going to be learning all the different ways in which God speaks. But the second movement is how do we learn how to listen to him? What's our posture when we come to listening to God? And secondly, what is our intention? What is our agenda when we come to God to learn to listen to him? And so if it's from God, it's true. But also if it's true, 
It's from God. And how do we build the confidence to know that that's what he's saying? And the second maxim that I find so helpful, we are all capable of hearing God speak. And we need each other to listen. You are capable of hearing the voice of God. And I know that's really intimidating and that's really scary. But I would go so far as to say you have already heard God speaking and you don't quite realize it. There's this amazing story in the Old Testament of of Jacob kind of wandering around, figuring out who he is, and he falls asleep and he has this vision of this ladder between heaven and earth, and the angels are coming and going, and he sees God on the throne, and he wakes up and he says, ah, surely God was in this place the whole time, yet I did not realize it. And I think that's the same for all of us, to go, surely God has been speaking this whole time, I just wasn't always aware of it. And so the challenge for each of us is to learn not whether or not God speaks, but how do we learn how to listen to him? Do we have a willingness to hear what God says? Which again comes back to how much do we trust the heart of God? And how much are we willing to wrestle with our own feelings of worthiness or unworthiness when it comes to that? And I think ultimately learning how God speaks to you is learning kind of like the love languages, you know? Like we're all called to love well, but each of us have been almost wired with these very specific ways in which we give and receive love, and that's part of who we are. And I think it's the same way with learning how God speaks, that for some of you, God will speak to you very powerfully through nature. For some of you, you will have uh, a very deep awareness of God speaking to you from the Holy Spirit within you. For others of you, you have this prodigious ability to hear God speak through Scripture. And all of it is blessed if it's God speaking. We don't measure people's value by their ability to hear God in one way but not in another. And so my hope is on this journey that each of you learn a little bit more how God has wired you to hear his voice and that when you become more confident in listening to God, you become confident in listening to God on the behalf of the rest of us. And the conversation that we have in this community becomes more and more about us engaging with, listening to, and speaking out the truth of who God is so that we're all blessed and we all raise together deeper into his presence. So I want to invite you to stand with me. And I'm so very, very excited to see what God does uh, in this next season in our community. Because even I feel the, the trepidation sometimes, the pressure of talking about how God speaks. But I'm, I want us all to be on this journey together to say, well, here's the goal. Like, it's a very high goal. We're all going to learn how to listen to the voice of God. And we're gonna go there together. And I, and I just wanna encourage you, even already on this journey this year, I have had these new revelations of who God is. And a lot of it comes through you and what you've been learning and how he's been speaking to you and what he's been showing to you. And is that not what the true community of God is all about? And so I'm gonna pray and we're gonna continue uh, to worship as a way where we speak back to God what is true of him so that he might speak to us in very specific ways. And so as you sing, you're singing over one another. You can also go and participate in Holy Communion in the back of the room. You can pray over each other, turn to the people that you came with and to say, hey, 
here's what I'm feeling, here's what I'm experiencing. Can you lay hands on me and pray over me so that we might pursue God together? Whatever you want to do, this space is for you to engage with God and to engage with one another. And so let's pray. Lord, in the beginning, you spoke everything into existence. Not only did you speak everything, but it's by your word that everything is held together, that everything finds its place. And we call that word Jesus. So Lord, as we worship the name of Jesus, what we're doing is we're participating, we're making aware the reality that's all held together by your love demonstrated through Christ. And so Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would alight upon each of your dear ones here, that you would open our ears to hear your voice in ways that we are very familiar with hearing you and in ways that we're really unfamiliar, maybe even ways that we're, uh, we're afraid of or we, we don't know what to do with because you are a God who desires to surprise and delight us by what we are even capable of. Yeah, but Lord, even, even now, I pray that the, the deepest work that you would do is to reveal to each one of us that we are worthy of hearing your voice, that you so desire to speak to each of us. You delight in us. You dance over us. You sing over us. You are constantly speaking to us in a way to awaken us to the reality of who you are. And so we give you permission to move in this moment however you see fit. May all things ultimately be to your glory. We pray this in the strong and the powerful name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's worship. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.